Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is session number 288. Sorry, I had my traditional pause as I'm trying to remember where I am. Session number 288. And uh, tonight we are, well, we're going to deal with the fallout of that little pronouncement that Gandalf made last week about Bill the Pony. So um, uh, that's, that's going to be our focus. Just... Uh, Real quick announcement. I want to encourage you uh, to look at our upcoming moot schedule. We've got a whole bunch of events coming up. There's going to be a very eventful uh, spring. And in fact, the list of events which you can find on BlackBerry, blackberry.signumuniversity.org. Um, you can see all the events there. There's, there's a bunch of them uh, for the spring. Um, we even have one uh, scheduled already for the fall, Carolina moot. Um, it would be good to get back to Carolina again. Haven't been there in several years. Um, but um, in the meantime, between now and May, we have um, a bunch <laughs> of moots, prayer moots, uh, between now and, uh, and May. And a couple of them, actually, which aren't even listed there yet. So um, uh, really, um, really fun. Really fun. Uh, looking forward to that. Of course, all of our moots are fully hybrid, so you're encouraged to, to uh, participate and join in, even if you can't be there geographically. Uh, but of course, we're going to be wandering around to many different geographic locations here. And of course, I was just mentioning before we started class, the geographic location we're headed to next, uh, which is always a highlight of the year now is Australia for Osmoot here at the end of January. So uh, come the final weekend of January, I'm going to be down in Australia for Osmoot, uh, and that's going to be great fun. We're going to be in Sydney this year. We're in Brisbane last year. We're going to be in Sydney this year. And uh, uh, really, really looking forward to uh, to that again. That's a, that's a really fun and... Um, long-running moot. It's a, it's going to be happening over the course of three days, so it's not just like a normal one-day regional moot. Um, of course, it is uh, held at what will be unusual times of day uh, in the rest of the world, but I don't think our Australian friends are going to apologize for that. It is everybody else's turn to be at awkward times, and we're going to be we're going to be at exactly a normal time of day for them down in Australia. Exactly, Scott. I do think I do think we owe them, uh, after all. Um, <laughs> but uh, so anyway. But however, I would add um, that we do record all of our moots, all of our events, and uh, you can get the rec the full recordings of our moots if you sign up either in person or you know for either on site attendance or digital attendance. You can get the full recordings of our moots. Um, so that is what is uh, going on and coming up soon. Very, uh, very excited about that. Um, all right. Let us get back into the text here. So um, right, let me, let me, we're just going to remind, because this is a middle of a conversation where we start, where we stopped. So 
Gandalf has just turned to the others and said, While I am searching, will you each make ready to enter the mines? For here I fear we must say farewell to our good beast of burden. You must lay aside much of the stuff that we brought against bitter weather. You will not need it inside, nor, I hope, when we come through and journey on down into the south. Instead, each of us must take a share of what the pony carried, especially of the food and water skins. So we talked about that paragraph last week. Now we get Sam's response. But you can't leave poor old Bill behind in this forsaken place, Mr. Gandalf, cried Sam, angry and distressed. I won't have it, and that's flat, after he has come so far and all. I am sorry, Sam, said the wizard, but when the door opens, I do not think you will be able to drag your Bill inside into the long dark of Moria. You will have to choose between Bill and your master. He'd follow Mr. Frodo into a dragon's den if I let him, protested Sam. It'd be nothing short of murder to turn him loose with all these wolves about. It will be short of murder, I hope, said Gandalf. He laid his hand on the pony's head and spoke in a low voice. Go with words of guard and guiding on you, he said. You're a wise beast and have learned much in Rivendell. Make your ways to places where you can find grass, and so come in time to Elrond's house or wherever you wish to go. There, Sam. He will have quite as much chance of escaping wolves and getting home as we have. Sam stood sullenly by the pony and returned no answer. Bill, seeming to understand well what was going on, nuzzled up to him, putting his nose to Sam's ear. Sam burst into tears and fumbled with the straps, unlading all the pony's packs and throwing them on the ground. The others sorted out the goods, making a pile of all that could be left behind and dividing up the rest. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was thinking exactly the same thing. You gotta think more than one person is like, so, um, all day long, we've been thinking that the wolves are definitely going to catch us. If Gandalf has the power, um, to, uh, you know, put words of guard and guiding on us and prevent the wolves from finding us, why didn't he just do that in the first place, right? Um, uh, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great question, JJ. So let's get straight to the question. What exactly is going on here? Right? What's, what's, what has happened? What, what exactly, what is the transaction that's occurring here? He speaks in a low voice. Now, is, does he just say this in English? Go with words of guard and guiding on you? Is that it? Is that it? Or are we to understand he speaks in a low voice and then says, you know, not in English, he's saying it in Westron, presumably, but um, but you know what I mean. Uh, you are a wise beast and have learned much in Rivendell. Make your ways to places where you can find grass, and so come in time to Elrond's house or wherever you wish to go. Yes, good. Bill and Jackie are both recalling that he um, spoke a blessing on Butterbur's beer, which was apparently efficacious. Well, we haven't learned that yet, but we will one day learn that the words which, which Gandalf reported, remember, he was only telling the story to the Council of Elrond. Um, but in his version of the story, 
he merely spoke the words, um, uh, may your beer be under a, uh, a, a, a you know, a, what does he say? Does he, does he use the word blessing? Somebody look up that passage. What's the noun? Doesn't say spell, does he? Of an, of surpassing excellence. Um, yeah. A spell, a blessing of surpassing excellence for for year for a period of years. Seven years? Ten years? Right? Um seven years. That's what enchantment. Is it enchantment, Johannes? I thought I thought it must be seven years. Uh, may your beer be under an enchantment. He says enchantment? That's the word? That would have been like my third guess. May your beer be laid under an enchantment of surpassing excellence for seven years. Yeah, okay. There it is. There it is. Okay. Um, yeah, fascinating. Okay. So, this is not, that's a, presumably not an IOU, right? That is to say, presumably Gandalf doesn't just say that and then later on be like, oh yeah, I got to do the enchantment thing on the beer, you know, to follow through on my little verbal promise, right? But rather, the verbal the verbal promise is in fact the enchantment, right? Um, so... Yes, that is another example of what seems to be this kind of thing. Um, so yes, I suspect that that's the spell right there. If he cast a spell, that was it. The words that he quoted, presumably, um, at the Council of Elrond, were his spell on the beer. Um, beer enhancement spell. Very useful, practical piece of magic, that. Um, and um, this, too. Go with words of guard and guiding on you. Words of guard and guiding on you. Okay, so let's... Um, a good, Jackie, yes, thank you. I was going to say that. Thank you for reminding me. Um, when, um, uh, when Butterbur refers to it, he, he says... He, the way that he characterizes says, since you put a good word on it is Butterbur's phrase when he is referring to the blessing, you know, the enchantment that Gandalf put on the beer, since you put a good word on it. Right. And that's interesting because it's almost exactly the phrase that we see here. Um, Go with words on you, he says. Right. Um, so let's um, let's. This sentence, man, this sentence, I want to look at almost every word in this sentence. Let's skip go for a second, right? We'll come back to it, but let's skip it for a moment. Go with words. Go with words on you. Words of guard and guiding. Um, okay, so he is saying words. And yeah, uh, Johnny, that's imperative. Go. Go is imperative there. Um, uh, well, with. Yeah, no, I don't want to skip that either, Amethorn. Right? Um, he is going. He's going to 
he's sending the pony out, right? Um, go with words on you. That's how he's going to go. With words on you is, uh, is, an, is an adverbial phrase, modifying the verb go, right? How are you going to go? You're going to go with words. That's how you're going to go. With words on you. Um, and these are the words. Again, I get it's 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 not. I could see a temptation. Like so, for instance, if you were doing an adaptation of this moment, I could see the temptation to have Gandalf like mutter an elvish phrase and then say these words, right? As if he d did the spell first and then tells them that he did the spell. But again, I don't think that's happening here, especially since with the parallel uh, with uh, Butterbur's beer, right? Um, so these are the words. Go with words of guard and guiding on you. Okay. Um, yes, I agree. Words on you um, Almeria, it does sound almost like the runes on a weapon imbuing it with power. Yes, yes. Um, what does that mean, to have words on you? Um, in, in, in what sense do you lay, put words on someone, right? It does sound like putting, um, uh, uh, putting words on, like, he's giving Phil a tattoo. Right, exactly. No, no, it's, it's, um, spiritual livestock branding is something like that. Um, one way to understand it, it is certainly true, as Almeria reminds us, that one common way to do magic, uh, verbal magic, uh, of this kind is to write it, write the words on the thing. Like the curse that the dwarves write on the treasure, the troll treasure, when they bury it in chapter two of The Hobbit. Like you can see the curse that's written on the urn of gold um, in uh, Smaug's, in the, the, the treasure room of Thror, right, in the, the Horde of Smaug, on the conversations with Smaug picture, right? You can read the curse. Um, so that's, or of course, like the runes that are on a weapon. So like there are words on the Morgo blade. There are words on, um, there are words on Anduro, right? Um, so I, anyway, that's, that's, that is one way to understand that concept, to have words on you, right? Another way is for, is more, well, I was going to say more metaphorical. That's metaphorical too, as again, I, I don't think Gandalf is literally carving um, or painting or in any other way, actually physically putting words or runes upon um, upon Bill the Pony here, as Bill and Sam likewise would both presumably object <laughs> volubly to that. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Everett says, I wonder how well, well, bless my beard worked out. <laughs> it, it, it does, so, okay, that's a great question. Gandalf, of course, says that, bless my beard. 
Um, Mary, that's what he says when he, it's Sam is who provokes that. Bless my beard. Sam Gamgee, is it? It says that right before he infenestrates Sam uh, back in chapter two. <laughs> so, Scott, it's possible that he said that about his eyebrows once. That would explain some things. Um, <laughs> Rin was thinking the same thing. Um, anyway, anyway, okay, okay. So, I'll come back to bust my beard. Don't forget bust my beard. To finish the thought um, about Amorea's observation. Another way is more, less metaphorical or figurative. Like, he could be using figurative language. Like, it is as if they are runes that I have, car I have placed upon them as one would put, would place runes or words upon something else. Um... Another way is a little bit more abstract. And the parallel there is, uh, I, I forgot who said this. Somebody said this a while back. Um, uh, yes, Dr. Benway. Um, Gollum is going to use that turn of phrase where he says, well, what he says, as I recall, he says about Aragorn, right? He says that he lied on me, right? Um, I, I, I don't... Um, It's hard to judge too much from Gollum's, some of Gollum's uh, turn of speech. But um, but there is a similar thing about Gollum. Remember, Gandalf says in the Shadows of the Past um, that he, Gollum, sought to be, uh, when he's trying to explain his motivations, he sought to be free of the label of thief that had been put on him. No, wait, he's talking about Bilbo, about Gollum. Gollum labeled him a thief. Gollum put the name thief on Bilbo, and Bilbo desired to to not have that name on him. That name was put on him by Gollum. So there is a um, um, there is a this abstract sense in which when a word or a name has been put on you, um, it has like that 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 means something. Right. But I don't think that that's relevant here. And the reason I don't think that is I think that's more about naming. Right. Um, I think it's more about naming. Um, remember, especially this is for Bilbo in The Hobbit. The label, like, what is he? Is he a burglar? Right. Um Gandalf says he is a burglar, will be when the time comes. He says later, I'm a burglar indeed. He later on says, I am a burglar, they say, though I never felt like one. Um, when he gives up the Arkenstone, of course, he says, I'm, an, I'm, I, I'm a burglar, and I'm an honest burglar. Um, there are lots of ways in which he's trying to re... to, like, define and own this title that's been put on him, right? Gandalf puts the name burglar on him. Gollum puts the word thief on him. Those sound like synonyms, but it means a big difference. It makes a big difference to, to, to Bilbo. Um, but, um, anyway, um, yeah. So, um, again, that's more about names and titles. It's about identity, right? It's about who he is. Um, when Gandalf says he was trying to be rid of the name of thief that was put on him, 
it's, it's about demonstrating his identity, his true identity, which is not that of a thief, right? And this is not an identity question. He's not saying you, pony, are guard and guide like... He's not identifying him. Go with words of guard and guiding on you. Uh, And notice, of course, he's a beast of burden, Bill, right? He's had a bunch of luggage on him, and now the luggage has been being taken off, and he's going to go instead with words on him instead of luggage, which is fun. Um... Yeah. Um, Okay. Guard and guiding. Words of guard and guiding. The implication there, both of those things are pointing to external things, right? Um... Notice, let me see if I can try to capture what I mean there. He could say, for instance, go with words of strength and wisdom on you, right? That is, descriptions of Bill's own, um, you know, attributes, which are being hopefully, you know, amplified under these circumstances by these words of blessing. Um, But that's not what it is. Go with words of guard and words of guiding. Exactly, Kurtzimus. Like words to guard you and words to guide you. Right? Um, He needs guarding from danger and he needs guiding towards home. Um, As if from an external thing. Right? Something to guard him, something to guide him. And that's what these words are presumably going to do. These words that are laid on him are words of guard and words of guiding. Um, well, this is really interesting. JJ, you had quoted a passage from the Silmarillion about how the ban of the ban of the Valar was laid on the Numenorians. Um, an oath or a responsibility can be laid on someone. That's, that's a, a known usage in Tolkien. Words, oaths like that certainly can be a burden that are laid upon someone. Oh, it's in Appendix A? Yeah. Um, and remember, yeah, Druid's Fire, just as you were saying, that's exactly the way that Elrond talks about it. He doesn't want to have that kind of burden. That's why he doesn't have them swear oaths there. And yes, Cal, uh, Cal Elros, you're exactly right. A mighty doom on him was laid and laid on him undying doom. Absolutely, Smaug. That's exactly it. Um, yes, those are sort of burdens. Now, of all of the things um, to lay undying doom upon someone such as it might be Arendel um, in Bilbo's poem uh, that actually feels to me closest to Gandalf's usage here. Um, 
a doom, it's a burden, yeah, but it's a, it's it's words, right? It's a it's a judgment, it's a decree, that is. That is laid, on him, right? Um, yes, yes. Um, he then adds, "You were a wise beast and have learned much in Rivendell." Make your ways to places where you can find grass, and so come in time to Elrond's house or wherever you wish to go. Now, if I, if that were all he said, that would just sound like a pep talk, right? <laughs> Johnny wants to know if Bill's an elf friend. Um, yeah, I think so. At least he's an elf horse friend, right? I mean, he's clearly a friend, uh, like, has he actually made friends with, um, uh, with Gorfindel's horse? Um, I, probably, probably, yeah, with, with, he did, he, he did, we know he hung with Asphaloth during the journey, um, and, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he did so at the stables as well, um, Remember the effect of his time in Rivendell that Sam pointed out? You know, that, hor- that horse can nearly talk and would, and would talk if he stayed here much longer. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, someone was asking before, is, does this blessing basically just mean, is he just... So there there. I would identify three possible sort of levels of intervention that Gandalf is making here, right? Um, one is where Gandalf is being like the the on one end of the spectrum, you've got Gandalf is doing magic here, right? Gandalf is actually laying a spell through his words on Build Pony. You've got the sort of middle road where he is counseling, where he is like awakening things within Bill himself. Um, but not necessarily like casting a spell on Bill the Pony. And then you've got the third option, which is he's not doing anything, actually. Um, whether you go, as some of you were asking, the maximally cynical view that he's just saying things to make Sam feel better. Um... Uh, or, you know, again, he's, he um, is giving Bill a very genuine and heartfelt pep talk, but the pep talk isn't actually going to change anything or uh, do Bill any good. Kurtzimus, it's certainly possible for Gandalf to utter a prayer or blessing. The... Um, the words that he spoke, um, the Cinderin words that he spoke, remember when he talked with the fire, both of the times, especially when he lit the fire on Carathras, um, and even when he called the fire uh, in the fight with the wolves, both of those sound um, supplicative, as you say. Um, those are definitely framed 
like prayers. Um, but I don't, but there's none of that structure here. Um, he doesn't, it's, it's just not how this sounds. Go with words of guard and guiding on you. It's not necessarily his garden guiding, right? It could be, I mean, if it is supplicative, it's implicitly so, right? Um, but I don't, um, uh, I don't, uh, I, 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 I don't see any reason to think that if Gandalf were doing that, he'd do it, I, 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 I would think. Um, now, I agree with Druid's Fire and with others I think that it's unkind to suggest that Gandalf is simply faking it here. Um, that is to say, if his motivation is to deceive Sam, right? I mean, if... I think that imagining that Gandalf is thinking, this pony is totally toast, but I'm going to try to snow Sam into thinking that he might live just so that Sam doesn't blubber and embarrass us all. Right. That's 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 that would be unkind for uh, an unkind thing for Gandalf to think or for Gandalf to do. Um, And I do not believe that he would be um, simply deceptive in that way. I just don't I just don't think that 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 is. We don't have any reason uh, any I don't see any justification uh, for reading that interpretation, that uh, that intention uh, into Gandalf. Um, there is no doubt, however, that in one sense, Sam is the primary audience of this speech. Um, and I would be willing to say the whole latter part of this speech, um, you are a wise beast and have learned much in Rivendell. I guess is who is being edified by this part of the speech? Bill? I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I think that I do think he's still addressing Bill, but I think that he is addressing Bill in this way so as to remind Sam. He is a wise beast. And also, by the way, you yourself, Sam, pointed out how much he had been changed by his time in Rivendell. And then he gives him some advice. Make your ways to places where you can find grass, and so come in time to Elrond's house or wherever you wish to go. Does that seem unnecessary? Yeah, sure. I'm sure any horse would figure out on its own that it might quite like to find a place where it can find grass. Um... But again, that <clears throat> I could see easily, almost all of this, um, is for Sam's benefit. But not the first sentence. Go with words of guard and guiding on you. That's totally different language. There, he is either doing something, he is either effecting something, through his words. To, um, I can put it no plainer than to say, 
if Gandalf is not doing magic in that sentence, then he's being deceptive. I can't see any other way to interpret that. It is like a priestly benediction, Johnny, and a priestly benediction is also doing something. That's a transactional statement, too. Um, uh, especially, especially in the Catholic tradition. Where do you think the word hocus pocus came from? Why do you think people say hocus pocus when they do magic, right? Do you know this, right? It's a, it's a, a bastardization of the Latin words from the mass. Hoc es corpus, they says the priest when he lists, this is the body, right? When he lifts up the, uh, the, the, the wafer and breaks it, right? Hoc est corpus. Um, the idea that this is a phrase which does something, when like that's when magic happens. Yes, that's the moment of the transubstantiation, right? Um, that is to say, the people who heard that in the, they knew that, that those words were doing something. A thing was happening there. And it's the same thing when the priest raises his hand and utters a benediction and, and gives you a blessing, right? There's a reason why in the Catholic tradition, when the priest speaks a blessing over you, the, the people uh, cross themselves, right? Um, they are receiving the thing that he is giving them. A transaction is occurring, right? A transaction between the two and between both and God is going on. In other words, a, a thing is happening, right? These are words that are, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not just words. This is not just to make you feel better. Right. This is not just uh, to have a particular effect on an audience. This is um, uh, this is it's doing something. And that first sentence, go with words of guard and guiding on you. Um, we know that Gandalf's blessing on the beer worked. We, we will know that that blessing worked. This is way more explicit, way more explicit than the blessing on the beer. If the blessing on the beer worked, this has to work, right? Um, yes, good, good. Um, Johnny and Maureen are both reminded of Bombadil's incantation. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure, absolutely. Um, or even think about the way that the narrator describes that from Frodo's point of view when he hears the words of the Barrowite originally, when the words, um, they start to become an incantation, right? Um, okay. Um, so there is power here. I am 100% confident. That those first words again, the latter part is quite likely a performance. No, Bill doesn't need to be. Bill's not going to be like, "Oh, grass! What a great idea! Never would have thought of that." Right? Yeah. The the second part of that speech is sort of performative, and I do think it's almost completely for Sam's benefit. Right? He is reassuring Sam without just lecturing him. He's do he's like he's saying these for Sam's benefit and in such a way as they will be most effective to Sam by taking Bill seriously, addressing Bill, addressing Bill, you know, almost like a peer. Right. Laying a 
Gandalf is the leader of their party, and he's laying a charge on Bill. Make your ways to places where you can find grass. And so come in time to Elrond's house wherever you wish to go. That's your job, Bill. Um, do that. Do that. Um, go with words of guard and guiding on you, though. That's... Um, again, if he is not exerting his own power to be, to provide that external force which will both guard and guide Bill, then he's lying. I mean, I just, I just don't see any way around it there. Now, back to, um, back to bless my beard, right? Um, bless my beard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that Gandalf's beard is not, in fact, blessed by that, uh, expression of Gandalf's. Um, uh, that's not to say that I could prove that Gandalf's facial hair is in fact not in any way sanctified. I'm just saying, I don't think, and, and, and here's why. It's not a magic word. This isn't about magic words that Gandalf is uttering here. This is also why I don't think it's quite true to say it sounds casual when Gandalf says, may your beer be laid under an enchantment of surpassing excellence for seven years. It sounds casual, like almost flippant, right? But it happens, right? Gandalf means it when he says it. It's not just words, right? Um, it's not just... These are not merely magic formulae that you utter and they make things happen. That is clearly not how magic works in Middle-earth, through simply the uttering of magic words, which could therefore be accidentally uttered by someone who doesn't know what they're doing, right? Um, you have to... You have to mean it, right? It's clearly about... Um, it's clearly about your intentions. When he says, bless my beard, he is not actually thinking about his own beard, right? Nor is he laying any benediction upon his own facial hair. When he says, may your beard be laid under an enchantment of surpassing excellence, he totally means it, right? He, this is, in fact, an expression, a verbal and presumably, uh, um, what, of or relating to his will, um, <laughs> voluntary, but that's uh, technically right, but not the right word. What's the word? There's a word for this. Um, but um, uh, anyway, he um, uh, no, it's a, it's a V-O-L word. I can't I can't put my finger on it. Volition. Yeah, that's the word I'm thinking. Volitional, I think, is, is, is what I was looking for here. Yeah, yeah, volitional. Yeah, Vo volition is definitely the word I was thinking of. Um, he, both his words and his will, right? He is uh, uh, volitionally focused on the blessing of Butterbur in that moment, 
as he is, I think, clearly here. Now, I see you guys talking about... Um, uh, I, th I see you guys talking about uh, Frodo dropping the E-bomb on Weathertop, right? That's not a magic word either, right? That is... Uh, what was that marvelous word uh, you used? Sub... Supplicate, supplicative? Yeah, that was the word. Supplicative. That's a prayer. That's a one-word prayer right there. Right? Um, that is explicitly calling on the name of the Holy One who answers. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. That's an invocation. Um, I mean, it's, um, it's a... It's a one-word prayer, right? Um, like uh, what he was hoping Elbereth would do or say or how he was hoping Elbereth would be relevant to the situation is left unsaid, right? But it's, it's an invocation. That's him calling out to somebody and somebody likely answering, right? And as I saw some of you suggesting, Sam's going to do the same thing um, and will also be answered. Um, in uh, Shelob's lair as well. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, this doesn't have... He's not supplicating anybody. He is stating his will that... Bill should be guarded and guided. Just as he stated his will that the beer of Butterbur should be blessed, right? Should be surpassingly excellent. And it was. Right. Um, and yes, I saw uh, JJ, I think I saw you thinking also of Isildur's curse. Um, of the Paths of the Dead chaps, right? Um, that too is an expression. Uh, he speaks the words and his will is behind them and it works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So, um, Yes. Um, yes, Bombadil does the same thing as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yes. Um, I believe, Penloth, that the blessing of Bill and the beer, as Merlinus says, is power coming from Gandalf and not any higher power. Yes. Yes. I believe that those are both instances of Gandalf doing magic, as hobbits might say. This is clearly possible. Um, it's another thing when we look back on it. Uh, that is, look back on his lighting of the firewood in on Karathras, right? The words that he said 
sounded highly supplicative. It sounded like he was asking for help. Um, and yet, that piece of magic, he thought, wrote, Gandalf is here, like across the sky in letters that could be read all the way down to the mouths of Anduin. Um, that there was something particularly characteristic, like, you know, it was definitely him doing magic, right? Um, yeah, Amore, as I recall, it was something like fire be the saving of us, right? Something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, well, so, Jackie, the wishing of Aragorn, well, like, that's, um, um, that is, I'm not sure that's not in this category, right? Um, when you say something like, and again, I saw somebody quote this before earlier, what Elrond says when they depart, right? May the blessings of all, you know, the free folk be upon you. If you say something like that to somebody and mean it, the extent to which your words bring about that end, right? The extent to which your words bring about blessing are a measure of your own power, the power of your own will, right? Um, it doesn't mean that the words aren't meaningful. That's why curses matter, right? I mean, if you, if you, uh, if you uh, wish ill upon someone, right? If you curse them, again, look at Isildur. Isildur is a good example of what happens when you say it and you can back it up. Right? Faramir does this too. And Jackie, remember that, remember Sam's interpretation of that, right? Remember the first thing that Sam says when he realizes that Gollum has betrayed them. May the curse of Faramir bite that Gollum and bite him quick. Sam believes that Faramir's curse, the curse that Faramir has laid on Gollum, is efficacious. He thinks it's going to work, right? He's just hoping it works sooner rather than later, right? Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, um, th yeah, that's, that's exactly. So words like this, so if this is not just a question of like, he's a wizard and so this is how he does magic, right? It's that words matter. Words do have power, though that power is, I mean, you might be helpless to affect the thing that you are willing when you say the thing. Gandalf is not. Gandalf does it with the beer. He does it. Um, uh, does it with the pony. Spoiler. Um, uh, and when he does something like Jackie, I think you were talking about how he blesses all of Aragorn's days, right? The days of Aragorn's kingship. I think that one works too. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, 
Sam, you're right. Faramir um, also provides Sam and Frodo with enchanted walking sticks. They have a virtue upon them. That means power. Literally means power. Um, and yes, yes, exactly as, uh, was it April? Yes, as April is saying in Twitch, um, this is also not unlike Gandalf saying to the Balrog, you cannot pass. Yeah. That's actually a classic example, right? He says that. Can he back it up? Right? Can he make that one work? Turns out, yes. Yes, he can. Right? Now, we'll get more into that. We're almost there. Uh, we're almost there, and we'll get there. Not to mention, like, the word of command business, Abelard, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, 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 we're going to, I'm going to wait till we get there, uh, until we see that. I just want to note the pattern here. And, as, and again, I cannot read, go with words of guard and guiding on you. Um, that is overtly magical language. The, overtly the language of blessing, his blessing laid upon the pony there. Um, uh, yeah, well, fly you fools. No, that's just an imperative, right? Um, yeah, that's just an imperative. <laughs> that's just an imperative. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Um, good. Scott is remembering the traditional... Uh, uh, words among the eagles. May the wind under your wings bear you where the sun sails and the moon walks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like eagle for I uh, hope you don't crash I guess. But um, but yeah. Um, that is um, uh, that same that same kind of that same kind of blessing. Um, sorry, just having a just having a grammatical moment. Give me a second. In some cases, in some cases, um, yeah, never mind, never mind. This is a normal second-person infinitive. Go with words of guarding on you. The important thing... It's not the go. The go is advice, right? Um, well, it's not just advice. Bill is going to have to go, right? It is determined that Bill must go. One way or the other, Bill's going. Um, they're not bringing him into Moria. Either they're going to send him off... Or they're going to leave him there, and he's not going to come in. He's going to run away when the doors open, or he's gonna. They're going to like leave him outside and shut the doors, and then he's going to go one way or another. He's going to go, right? The point of it is not the verb there, nor the mood of the verb. It's about go. How how, how does he go? Go with words of guard and guiding on you. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I love it. Uh, people are throwing quotations all over the place. Um, uh, yes, there are lots of places where you can see this kind of language. And again, I would point out, it's 
all important. It's all significant. The question is, does the person who says it have the power to make it happen? Right? Um, Gandalf jokes that Lobelia Sackville Baggins's face would have curdled, curdled new milk. Right? Um, Frodo confirms that she had nearly curdled him. Right? Um, what is the what? What are the what? What is the uh, less than completely devastating final remark that she directs at Frodo? Um, why didn't you leave too? Uh, you're not a Baggins. You're a Brandybuck. Um, I don't think that there's a causal link between Lobelia's curse and. Frodo's later decision to move to Buckland <laughs> and leave just like Bilbo did. Um, but it's interesting that it does in fact happen, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, uh, yes, Cal Elros, I agree. Gandalf is deeply concerned about calling Frodo the Lord of the Ring. Um, Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyhow. Okay. I wanted to make sure we got to that pair. It's not the beginning of this. Let's go back to Sam's reaction. Let's, uh, having... Because I, I knew we weren't going to be able to wait to talk about that, so I wanted to start there. But let's now go to the other two parts. Let's look at the beginning and the end with Sam here. Um, Sam, in his anger and distress, his, puts his foot down. I won't have it, and that's flat. Um... You can't leave poor old Bill behind in this forsaken place, Mr. Gandalf. Um, I love the Mr. Gandalf. Um, he's using a term of respect. Like, he's fully aware that he is speaking rebelliously, right? Um, by, and that's flat, uh, it's, uh, means, uh, like and like he says he's saying like um like and that's that like that's um um yes i won't have it period yeah that might be one way that we would say it now um uh i won't have it and that's the end of the discussion right um is i believe what i won't have it and that's flat means. Yeah, th that's final. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, Sam doesn't... One interesting fact. We've seen pushback against Gandalf and Aragorn. We've seen the debates between Gandalf and Aragorn. We have looked in careful detail at the 
dance of authority, uh, the very careful dance of authority that Boromir has been doing with Gandalf and Aragorn both. Um, this speech of Sam's is the first time anyone has simply rebelled. Boromir came close when he says, I will not go to Moria. Not unless, then he qualifies it at least. Not unless the vote of the whole party is against me, right? Um, Sam is not even calling for a vote, right? I won't have it, and that's fine. You can't do this, Mr. Gandalf, right? Um, yeah, yeah, so... Again, the Mister is a is a is a wonderful touch. I don't know if Sam commonly calls him Mister Gandalf. We very rarely hear Sam addressing Gandalf directly, um, or at least like at, to this point in the narrative, we've we've very rarely heard that. Um, so I don't know. Does he always call him Mister Gandalf? Not really, a hundred percent sure. Um, but. Um, uh, I, Lord bless you, Mr. Gandalf, sir. Yes, good. That's from chapter two, when he gets infenestrated. Yes, yes. Um, he's um, he's using Mr. as a title of respect. Um, uh, excellent. Thank you. JJ is doing his searching. He says it again in chapter five. Notice this, that one is not to Gandalf's face, right? Uh, begging your pardon, sir, but I meant no wrong to you, Mr. Frodo, nor to Mr. Gandalf, for that matter. That's in the Conspiracy Unmasked. Um, Mr. Frodo, Mr. Gandalf, right? It's a, it's a title of respect. Um, acknowledging Gandalf to be his superior. Right to be his social better, I believe is what Sam is doing here. Um, so on the one hand, he is speaking with respect. Yeah, he does say Mister Mary and Mister Pippin and Mister Frodo. It's his regular usage, Astro Gypsy, because everyone in the party except Bill is his very significant social superior, and Sam is aware of it. Right? Remember uh, his father's foreboding back in chapter one, right? Where his father, the gaffer, says that he tells Sam um, not to get mixed up in the business of his betters or he'll land in trouble uh, or he'll, he'll land in trouble to... Oh, what is it? It's to what for him? Um, I'm blank. Too big. Thank you, Trifle. Too big for you. Yes, you'll land in trouble too big for you. Yes, and certainly he does, right? Sam is absolutely mixed up in the business of his betters, and he is indeed landed in trouble that's too big for him, 100%. Um, but, um, yes, and Vardendil, I agree. He is too rustic and too ignorant, Sam is, to, like, make fine distinctions, <clears throat> you know, of like rank and, and forms of address and stuff. Um, Mr. Mr. Gandalf is just, it's like a generic thing, right? Um, uh, 
Yeah. Yes. Um, in any case, the point is he's using a respectful form of address in calling him Mr. Gandalf. But he is openly defying him. You can't do this. I won't have it. He is vetoing the decision of the leader of their party. I won't have it, and that's flat. Nobody has talked to Gandalf like this since the quest began. Right? I won't have it, and that's flat. After he has come so far and all, that's like a rational, like a, a, a rationale, right? A, like a thing that he points to to say, like, it's why it would be wrong and unreasonable uh, to do that. Um, Gandalf's response does, and, and Matt, I think it was you who just said a few minutes ago, um, the Gandalf's response uh, shows how much respect he has for Sam. He apologizes to Sam. Um, which is as much as to say, when he says, I'm sorry, Sam, it's as much as to say both. Uh, I am sorry, you know, that I have said this thing that has so displeased you. And also, I'm sorry that this has to happen. Right. But it, so this is both an apology and a gentle insistence, a gentle overriding of Sam's uh, noisy veto here. Right. I am sorry, Sam. But when the door opens, I do not think you will be able to drag your bill inside into the long dark of Moria. You will have to choose between Bill and your master. It is fascinating that Gandalf does not make any practical arguments. We just had those, right? I mean, when they were getting up to the lake, they had to go around so Bill could go up. And remember that Gandalf said then that there were going to be places in Moria that the pony couldn't go. He could make that argument here. He could say, I'm sorry, Sam, but Bill is physically incapable of you know, traversing the terrain we're likely to have to traverse in there. Bill can't come. It's not possible for Bill to come. Um, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Now, I, I, I agree with you, by the way. Gandalf recognizes that Sam's insurrection is coming from a very good place. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, it is. And Gandalf is obviously not upset at the insurrection that's going on here, right? Um, but again, Gandalf doesn't make the practical argument. When the door opens, I do not think you will be able to drag your bill inside. What he, how he responds to Sam is to, to acknowledge Sam's desire to stick with Bill, to bring Bill with them. But he invites Sam to imagine what it would be like for Sam. Like he conjures up this image of Sam trying to assert his will over Bill. To force Bill to do something that Bill doesn't want to do. 
something that would be bad for Bill. He absolutely recognizes the the heart, the purpose of Sam's insistence, his insurrectional insistence there. And he says, I, I, I hear what you want and I respect why you want it. But let me give you a glimpse of what the situation is. Are you going to drag him? If he doesn't want to go, are you going to force him to go? Remember what we were just, what we've been talking about, about will. About people's will to be on the journey. No one should have to stay on the journey a minute longer than they want to be. No charge is laid on them. They're left, their wills are left free. This is very important, right? You will have to choose between Bill and your master. We're not really just talking about the pony anymore, are we? Right? That's not to say that Sam is expressing an unwillingness to go forward himself. But Gandalf, this is the lesson that Gandalf chooses to make. This is the point that Gandalf chooses to emphasize. Again, he could just say, Sam, I'm sorry, but you're not being reasonable here. Bill can't come. We're going to have to climb. There are like stairs and stuff and chasms to jump over and that sort of thing. You can't, Bill can't, he'll die if we try to bring him. He doesn't make that argument. Instead, he comes straight to, you will have to choose between Bill and your master. Notice how, in a sense, what he does is he takes Sam's own final statement after he's come so far and all and expands on that. Yes, yes, he has come so far of his own will. Remember, Bill insisted on coming. Nobody brought him, right? He communicated this non-verbally but very clearly to Sam, his own free choice to come along with the party. Um, and Bill needs to be left free to choose. Bill has come this far voluntarily, but can only be brought as far as he's willing to go. But again, uh, Gandalf immediately turns this to a question about Sam's own willingness. I won't have it. Sam's made it about his will. You refuse? You refuse to be parted from the pony? I can respect that. But that means you will have to choose between Bill and your master. Are you on the quest or not? Um, notice how Sam then turns that right back against him. He'd follow Mr. Frodo into a dragon's den if I led him. I love this. Um, Sam protests that Gandalf doesn't know. Right? Gandalf says, when the door opens, I do not think you'll be able to drag your bill inside. And Sam says, that's all you know, Gandalf. Mr. Gandalf. Right? He'd follow Mr. Frodo into a dragon's den if I led him. I love the um, 
yes, this is a lot like Sam projecting his own emotions on Bill. Be honest, Hunter, you see how like we're talking about Bill, but we're not talking about Bill anymore, right? That's becoming almost more and more explicit. But what I love this, what I love about this is notice Sam's humility. Um, he makes out that Bill would follow Mr. Frodo anywhere. But that's not actually what he describes, is it? Why would he follow Frodo into a dragon's den? Because of his devotion to Mr. Frodo? No. Because of his devotion to Sam. He would only follow Mr. Frodo into a dragon's den if Sam led him. In other words, Bill would follow Sam anywhere that Sam led him because of Bill's devotion to Sam. But Sam doesn't think of it that way. He doesn't put it that way, right? He imagines himself and Bill as colleagues in the service of Mr. Frodo, right? He projects upon Bill his own devotion to Frodo, right? Exactly, Dr. Benway. Sam would go into the dragon's den first. And so, yes, uh, you are, uh, you two are, um, uh, several of you are recalling correctly um, Pippin's statement in the Conspiracy Unmasked that Sam is an excellent fellow and would jump down a dragon's throat to save Frodo. Um, and Bill, of course, is an excellent pony and would follow Sam and would, would follow, would be right behind Sam, right? Not out of devotion to Frodo, but out of devotion to Sam. And yes, Amore, I know it's an, almost an, ins an insensitive remark, right? As, of course, several of the ponies in The Hobbit did, in fact, uh, uh, go down a dragon's throat. Uh, but but uh, enough of that. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes, Sonar, I do believe that Sam is accidentally implying that Bill is his own utterly devoted servant. Yes. Yes. Um, Sam is to Bill as Frodo is to Sam. Yes. Exactly. Exactly, Amethorn. That's just right. Um, yes. Um, uh, and yes, Adrian, you're, you're completely right that um, Bilbo solidified dragons as prime archetypes for evil uh, in Hobbit culture and lore. Yes, I suspect that's exactly true. Um, uh, both of them are imagining, both that is, both um, Sam and... Um, both Sam and Pippin. Uh, imagine getting, you know, et by a dragon is the, like, confrontation with the biggest, scariest thing possible, right? Um, yeah. Uh, notice Sam's, Sam's next comment. After he makes the assertion, which seems to say a little bit more than he is kind of realizing it says, 
in the way that we were just talking about. He then adds, it'd be nothing short of murder to turn him loose with all these wolves about. Um, that suggests to me that he also has already thought of the practical challenges of bringing Bill into the mines. Um, is it going to be dangerous for Bill inside Moria? Yeah, definitely. But it's nothing short of murder to turn him loose with all the wolves about. In Sam's mind, if Bill comes into the mines with him, he's still liable to be safer than he is out with the wolves. I remember Boromir raised the image, put the image in all of their heads of them dying with the wall at their back and wolves at their front, you know, surrounded by wolves. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's doing, Sam is doing two objections here. Yes, you're wrong. Bill would choose to come. And two, I don't care how impractical it sounds. He has a better chance of survival with us in the mines than he does out here with the wolves. And that's where Gandalf gets him. It will be short of murder, I hope, said Gandalf. This is not going to be... And that's when he does his magic. Now notice we have... A new, he And by doing this, he adds a new variable to the equation. Sam believes in Gandalf's magic. Now, if Gandalf, if Sam is willing to trust Gandalf and Gandalf's magic, now he has to believe that there is that he will have quite as much chance of escaping wolves and getting home as we have. Well, not a high standard, perhaps. Pretty low bar, maybe. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so what it will be short of murder, I hope, means is simply... So Sam has just said it would be nothing short of murder to turn him loose. Like, it would be... To turn him loose here would be an act of murder. And Gandalf is saying, no, it wouldn't. It will not be an act of murder. Are, are we putting him into danger? Yes. Is he perfectly safe? No, he's not perfectly safe. Yes, there's danger. But you do not have to think that he will definitely die. That he has a 100% chance of death. So a, a, a sort of more direct translation of that line would be something like, um, his chance of death will be less than 100%. Sam has just argued that it was, he says it's, his chance of death is 100% if we turn him loose with all these wolves about. And Gandalf says, no, it's not. Um, yeah, no, no, no more than 90%, Maureen, exactly. And say how far short of murder it would be. Um, there, Sam. Also, that also. If Gandalf did not do magic right there. He's lying to Sam explicitly here. When he says, there, Sam, he's saying, I just did a thing. Right? Now, and you saw me do it, now, he will have quite as much chance of escaping wolves and getting home as we have. This is not just a reassurance. 
Like, it's okay, Sam. I don't think the wolves will get him. He's got a fighting chance. He's not saying that. There, Sam. There, I just did the thing. Right? Exactly, Penloth. It's like, ta-da! Yes. Yes. Um, and I agree, JJ. The as much chance as we have is also a reminder that it is going to be pretty dangerous to go through Moria as well. So it's not like a... Um, Bill's not... Is not uh, you know, he's not got great options here. Um, yeah, it's dangerous with the wolves, but you know what else is dangerous? Uh, the long dark of Moria. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Um, now, Johnny, that's interesting. When he says, well, the, I hope. That's not really a statement of Estelle or Amdir exactly, but um, he is, when he says he will have as much chance of escaping wolves and getting home as we have, that's the language of Amdir. Do you think a good outcome is likely? Right? And he's, he's telling him explicitly a good outcome is reasonably likely, or like as likely as, you know, you could ask for. Right? Um, so that's, that's the language of Amdir. And yet there is an element here. Um, there is an element of Estelle here, the invocation, the use of magic, right? He is basically asking Sam to trust. I have laid words of guard and guiding on him. That doesn't guarantee he's going to survive. But it gives him a chance, and now we have to trust that things will work out one way or the other. Right? Him letting... Sam letting Bill go at the end of the day is an act of Estelle, of, 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 of that higher hope. Um... It doesn't mean Sam believing that Bill for sure survived. He doesn't know that. But that it's all going to be well. Sam stood sullenly by the pony and returned no answer. Sam has no response to that. The magic of Gandalf has silenced Sam's objections. He can't, he can't ask for any more than this. There is a significant way in which Gandalf has, like, conceded to his fears. Because, again, that the practical concerns, which, as we could see, Sam is thinking about, right? Sam's calculation that, um, t yes, taking him with them is dangerous, but leaving him here is just murder with those wolves here. They're 100% going to get him. If Gandalf can change that equation he can't make that argument anymore. And it's hard to maintain that bringing Bill into the mines is a great idea, is good for Bill. Right? Um, Sam stood sullenly by the pony and returned no answer. Bill, seeming to understand well what was going on, 
nuzzled up to him, putting his nose to Sam's ear. Sam burst into tears, fumbled with the straps, unlading all the ponies' packs and throwing them on the ground. Sam's tears are in response to the nuzzle from Bill. Bill seems to understand what's going on, and he seems to be saying goodbye. Um, I don't know what he says when he puts his nose to Sam's ear. You know, that horse can nearly talk, so I, I don't know if he actually told him anything. Um, but it is almost like Bill contributes to the conversation, right? Bill has a final word for Sam here. And it's a final word, apparently, of, um, of affection. Yeah, I think Bill is comforting Sam. Yes. Um, don't forget, before we move on from this passage, don't forget that... Don't forget all the references to Bill's own choice. The way in which Bill has been treated as if he were the tenth member of their company, right? Under the same circumstances as everyone else in the company. Um, bound to continue on the journey only as long as they choose to do so, right? Sam has explicitly evoked that, and so has Sam has explicitly said that Bill would choose to come. Um, Gandalf has also explicitly addressed that. Uh, when the door opens, I do not think you'll be able to drag your bill inside. The moment of choice hasn't actually quite yet come. Sam has to make the choice to be okay with it. They now no longer need Bill as a beast of burden, because they're gonna they can they can, uh, you know, divest themselves of that need by leaving all their winter clothes behind. Um, yeah. Um, Bill, but Bill's moment of choice hasn't come yet. It will come, but it hasn't come yet. So just keep an eye on that because we've had all this set up for Bill's decision moment, right? And, um, and it's going to come. Um, yeah. Uh, I agree, uh, Carrie, that, um, Bill is a much different pony than the one that left Bree. Uh, very, very, very true. Very true. Um, okay. <clears throat> I think we'll leave that there tonight. Uh, next week, we will talk about... Uh, locating the doors of Moria, in fact. Now that the pony drama is, while not totally past, um, has uh, subsided a bit. We've at least addressed it, right? Um, thanks to everybody who can only join us for our book discussion here tonight. And we, it's field trip time. Let's do the field Good trip. Good evening, Court. Good evening, Druid's Fire. How are you? Valori couldn't be with us today. She's... Alas. Had a household issue here tonight. 
alas. But I'm gonna. There we go. All right. Getting the raid formed up while you relog. Excellent. Yeah, for uh, those of you who wonder why I always have to go through that, it's a it's a Windows parallel thing. Um, so I have Windows, I have the game running in parallels in a window at the beginning because I can't have it taking up the entire screen. I need my slides, um, but then it can't, the game can't handle it when I expand, when I full screen my Windows parallels instance. Um, it always crashes it. So that's what happens. It's the it's the resizing of the screen within Windows, running Lotro within Windows within the Mac thing that just it that happens every time. Who knows? Maybe someday Windows Parallels will fix that problem, but in the meantime. Alright. Here we are. So we're we are in the home stretch of Swanfleet. And let's head back to Echad Terathas. And we're going to head up into West Eregion. As I recall, was our next destination there. Looking at the map. Yes. Yes, up into Western Eregion. See what's up there. And then over into over into Oregon itself. So all right. Here we are back in our ruin and I want to see the more of the uh, more of the greater Oregon countryside now. As presumably that's what we get here on what is called Western Oregon. So um oh, well, I expected to lose my horse long before this. This river is super shallow. Wow. Okay. We are very close to the Wade Water. Yes. Okay. So, again, looking at the road, so the road to, um, you know, Celebrimbor's capital um, over here in Oregon. So we're looking at Oregon here, over here to Echad Mirabel and Tom Mirdine is south of here. South of the, yes, yeah, south of the river that we just crossed. Oh yeah, I was going to cross the bridge. Oh well, I forgot to cross the oh, bridge. Yes. It's okay. We'll go over to the bridge. But meanwhile, actually, since we're over here, let's just go up this hill and see if we can see anything from the top of it. Anything, uh, you know, ruinous from the top of this. This is like. Um, this is like the downs. Ah, and this is an like excellent view of the countryside there. You can see the whole, like what was just, you know, dwellings and party houses of the Noldor down there, both high and low. You can see much more clearly that big central building on top of the hill on top of the plateau there. 
the city of Celebrimbor and in all its glory that's left of it. Well, I think it's a suburb, though. I think it's a suburb. It's not fully part of... It's right nearby. But yeah, that's the whole point, is that this area, Eregion in general, I mean, was the place where the Noldor were really settled. Ah, okay. And here now, we're looking in the other direction before we start going downhill again. Okay, so that's the the hill with the buildings on it over there. That's part of Eregion that we actually explored before, right? Um, across the way that'd be um, Mirabel. I think it is Mirabel. Yeah, yes, yep, that School is. Library. That's what I'm remembering. That's you what I'm remembering. You can see the channel of the Saranen all dried up uh, on that arch bridge in the distance. Yep. Right. Yeah. Straight in front of me there, the dried up. Mm-hmm. Saranon stream bed. Yeah. Um, okay, so yes, this does really help you to see. The, I, I say it helps you to see, and then I'm like, but I can't see for the trees. Let me see if we can possibly, if I can see the, them both, the connections, that'd be awesome. Let me see if I can peek out while still on the high ground over here. Uh-oh. It's like a cliff. That's no good. Oh, here we go. Rocks to jump out on. That's good. Just what I was hoping for. Okay, all right. Hang on. Here we go. All right. So there's the plateau. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is like a... It is like a... The suburbs. Um, cause, or a home versus the office, pretty much. Yeah, because that's... With those walls right there, the walls that are facing us, mm-hmm. that's like, that's Tom Mirror Dine, isn't it? Those are the ring forges. Yeah, exactly. That's where the rings of power were forged, right in there. So, and that's where we, right, and there's our bridge. So when we came out there last week on that path, that's the wall that we came right up to, was the walls of Tom Mirror Dine. Fascinating. Yes, it was. Okay, and they're so they're distinctly separate from this other, what city suburb, even the one up on the plateau, which was super hard to get up to, and we had to ride most of the way around in order to get up it. So it's clearly not; it doesn't face Tom Mirrodine. It's definitely separate. No, it but yeah, we can see how connected they are, how uh, how close they are, and as I recall from our explorations of Eregion to the north, that is, to our left, as I'm looking out, of that arched bridge over the Saranan bed mm-hmm. that we can see is very little. Like, that's... Waterloo. It's the, 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 the pleasure palaces. Yeah, eventually, yeah, we, we, we get to the... the um, yeah, the water park, but... Um, but, yeah, that was... And it, th- that itself is kind of in the wilderness up there. So... They seem to be concentrated. So, in other words, what we were seeing here, what we kind of stumbled across in the Wade Water here, is the is one edge of the one seriously densely populated region in all of Eregion, even. Like, Eregion was the greatest kingdom of the Noldor um, in the Second Age. And this is the part of Eregion 
within the game that uh, they primarily populated. Because, of course, we noticed that even in Eregion, it was mostly empty land. There were a few places like Gwingris and Echateregion and that other place. What was it? This this one, right? Pembar, that was it. Yeah, so there are a few uh, places. Echad Dunan, you know, the last uh, the last truck stop on the way to Moria. But, um... Yeah, they're uh, basically like a love's travel stop. Yeah, exactly. So, even though all of this is called a Regian, it was really Mirabelle and Tom Mirdine. And, of course, the rest of this. I keep forgetting the name of it here. What's it called? Karas Galebron. Yeah, that's it. Well, Karas Galebron is not its actual lore name. It's the fact that Standing Stone didn't have the rights to the right name. Well, yes, sure. Okay, so now, so that's interesting to see the larger context here. Now, let's go on and ride down the hill. I, I have a question about the, the uh, Gondorian, sure. or the pointed tower in the far distance across Karaskalever, and it's on the border of Enidvive. Um, Which tower? Like, uh, in the far distance to your right, above the village, to the right, to the right, to your right. Uh, the rocks are in the way. Oh, I, I hang on. It, we saw the tower uh, in a previous episode. Um, it was a very tall Gondorian tower with the four spires sticking way up. Uh -huh. Hang on, let's go this. back to those rocks here. Uh, can we see it from here? I'm not seeing it. Just give me a moment. I'll get you a screenshot because it's okay. not showing up in your view. No, it's not showing up in my view. My resolution must not be high enough. Let's see, first, what direction? We're, okay, we're facing due south here. So I'm going to guess already. Due south of here, um, we've got the... The old South Road, as they call it, right? The southern extension, the Gondorian extension, the Greenway, that goes down into Enidwife. And if there's a Gondorian tower... Oh, yeah, okay, I remember seeing that. Yes. Off in the distance. That, I think, is in Enidwife. That's super remote from here. Um, it's interesting that it can look down over Karas Galabrin and depends on when it was built as to whether, you know, there was some interaction about that. Would there be? Like, would the elves be a little bit cranky that the humans are building uh, a big honking tower, right? Looking down over their... their no, cattle? because I would suspect that that tower is a third-age business. For one thing. So Eregion would already have been trashed by the time they built it. Because if it's built... If it's a tower, a Gondorian tower, that is built um, along the South Road and it's got to be located somewhere overlooking the road here. So this, these mountains that are south of this uh, branch of the river here so you've got Karas Galebren and this branch of the river just south of it and then south of that you've got the mountains right? So that's what we're seeing there, the higher mountains that are rising up in the distance there behind the plateau and that tower is like on those mountains are the ones like the further side of those mountains. Uh, like the, the ridge right off in the distance there. 
and that tower is surely meant to be overlooking um, the road, the south road. Watching the south road for travelers in either direction. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, the fact that we can see it from here just means they built it on a higher set of hills than this is built on. Um, you know, would the elves have thought that it improved the view of the hills? I doubt it. But again, they would have been gone um, by the time that was built. So yeah, I can't, I can't see it. My distance is not resolving quite. But I remember seeing that tower, the skinny tower with the bulbous top with the with the four yeah, bits, the, the four the spikes sticking up, yeah. On top. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's part, it's, so it's Gondorian, which means third age, and it's, um, and I, I think it's designed to guard the road, and so therefore, not really, I mean, it's not like it's intended to overlook, you know, in the sense of, like, supervise or whatever, this region, exactly. Um, Could it have been, like, a watchtower against, you know, whatever enemies um, and the locals? Um, uh, well, an ineffective one. I mean, yeah, it would have done. I mean, they, the armies of Sauron, as we were arguing, he probably would have sent some of his army up around here. To, we were, I was theorizing that some of them would have come up around here and the others would have come up um, across the, the Saranan, and they could have attacked um, Mirabel and Tom Mirodine from either side. Um, so, yeah, I think they would have done, but again, I don't think that the, those towers wouldn't have been built in that time. Sauron was invading this place, you know, way back in the middle of the Second Age, uh, before even the War of the Last Alliance. So... Um, it would have been built after his fall, then, in, in the, the Last Alliance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, this, this, this would all have been ruins already. Okay, so here's our bridge, right? This is the bridge that we saw that we didn't go across last time, and we still mm -hmm. haven't gone across it. Okay, all right. So I just, I, I want, I want, I just wanted to figure out where that road was going. We saw, came down in the middle of the road. Okay, so now we're, we're imagining the old elf road. You can go straight towards the walls of Tom Mirdine, which didn't have any gates in them, so I don't know where that old uh, road was exactly going to. But here, yes, this road is on the map, and it should fork according to the map. There we are. This one heads straight into Mirabelle. And we'll come back to that. Let us get up to this last place. So the two things I want to do here, finishing up this evening... Um, I'm really glad for that. I'm really thankful for that very high hill over there because that gave us a marvelous view of the landscape. Yeah, it was a really awesome view. Yeah. This game has a lot of them, and, that, and I just love it for it. Yeah. Whoa, look at that city on a hill. Hang. Oh, that's is that on the angle? That's indeed the angle. Yes, it is. That's that big city up on the angle, which was an Arnorian city, wasn't it? As, as I recall, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Pretty sure it was. Any other, anyone else see any ruins or anything over here? I don't see anything up on top of that hill. We didn't go all the way to the very tip top of that hill. But I don't, I don't see anything. Did. I don't see anything up there. 
but now we're going down into the valley, still following the elf road. So the the elves had some like business this way. But is this still the elf road? I mean, I mean, the cobbles are still there, but it doesn't feel particularly elvish to me. Oh, hello. There's an elf camp down here. Yeah, yeah that's not a ruin. Oh, that's what was it? on the map. Okay. All right, yeah. Okay, this is I, interesting. So here I had been making the assumption that... The stable master on the map and where this road was going were the same place. But that seems that not, not to case. be the case. Yeah. All right, we've got a ranger stable master. What can I do for you? And our last stable master in Swanfleet, officially. And yeah, let's milestone this. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, I want to milestone this. It's not really closer to where we're going than the other milestone, but I would quite like to approach where we're going from this direction again. Okay, so we've got some elves and rangers together up here. Who's worried about a bucket left behind? Uh, okay. Um, doesn't sound like the most epic of quests, but that's all right. Okay, so I'm not sure what they're here about. All the crates and boxes suggest they're doing something or going somewhere. I love the fact that they brought like a crate of party streamers to put up over their tents. I mean, like, yeah, they were party streamers. That's kind of fun. I mean, yeah, apparently. You, you can't just put up a tent. Um... You gotta have the party. I mean, but now I, I, I wanna I wanna follow the road. I wanna see where the elves of the second age were going because they built that bridge, and it took a right hand turn over towards Mirabelle, which is fine, but then it was going this way, and I wanna see where it goes or what it went. Aha! There it is. There we are. I spy an elvish ruin up on this hill. Overlooking uh, what that's the Bruin in, isn't it? Mm hmm. Uh, the Horwell, but then it splits at the angle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, right. It's. Oh, yes, it should be the Bruin. Yes, the Bruin and the Horwell is the one on the other side, right? The Mathiathel is. The left, on the left-hand side, on the, 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 the westernmost side of the angle. Okay, so I'm looking at... So there's the city. What's that city called? That's uh, Thelgarth. Okay. The big city up on the on, on the angle up, up there. Mm -hmm. So, this is an elvish city. So that's just what I was expecting. So this is not a suburb. This is a... Uh, look at that! Oh, we've seen these before. It's like a... The water slide. <laughs> it's like a water slide. This is like the, um, you know, the high... The proclamation the high... tower. Yeah, this is like the, 
instead of just a you know little little podium little little low stage right this is the high you know you do uh shout it out to the entire valley and hope to hear you in mirabelle exactly exactly um yeah and we've got that little tower in the middle look at the little spiky bit on top of that tower i've never seen that before it's a very intact tower oh yeah um little looks like a tree obviously like a filigree tree on top of the tower yeah but it's not a watchtower because there's no windows there's no no it looks like a silo it looks like a silo frankly like a grain silo or something yeah and this where you make uh, elven moonshine at the grain silo yeah this looks like an old hall right here so i think this was um this was a little outpost this looks like a you know a little elvish villa here maybe like some lord or something had his own little place to hang out outside of town maybe yeah i i too was uh hankering after the view that uh that guy has how do we get in here can we get in there oh yeah we can oh yeah we can always visit siege engines Okay, so from here, we can see more clearly that to the, like, southeast of us. Yes, that's the big hill we walked up. That's like the down that we walked up. You can see the plateau of Karas Glebrin over there. There's Tom Mirdine, and there's Mirabelle over there. And there's that hill, which does have a ruin on it. Oh, on the back side. Yep, I see it. Uh, the remnants of a gazebo. Yeah. Yeah, two-story gazebo over there. There might be one in the river valley as well, where the orange trees are. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but there might be one there too. That's the tip of the, like that land we can see down there, the low land is the tip of the angle. So those like loading docks and stuff would be like right just around the corner where we can't see them there. You think there's another one down on the ground on the on the left hand shore? Maybe. I can't really see over there. Okay, so they they did build something not on the very top of it, but on the like western side of that hill. That's interesting. Um But yes, the rest of this, looking off to the east, now towards being able to ride there. Right there's that. I think is the water park that we can uh, see. Yes, that's the water just, park. Just south of the east here. I think that yeah, I think that's the I think that's the amusement park. And then Mirabelle. Yeah, this was a great little view. You can see why they uh, built this city up here. This little town. It's a little yeah, town. Yeah, Merad Morlas was the town uh, in the middle of Low Holland. Okay. 
Yes. And this is what Tom Kelladier. So it's interesting. The angle, there were elvish things. Can we see that? Oh, of course. They, I don't know how far into the angle we can see. What was it? Echad, uh, what is it called? No, I'm thinking of up in the troll shows. Tom Lumran. Uh, Echad Kondaleth. That's what I was thinking of. Echad Kondaleth. That's, yeah, that's a long, long way It up. is a long ways up. Yeah. I don't think we could see that from here, even if I didn't have stuff in the way. Yeah, because uh, bearing in mind to our northeast is going to be Gwingris. Yes. Can we see Gwingris from here? Uh, probably, maybe? I don't... We saw it at one point, but... Uh, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's further up over that shoulder that we can't see there. Anyway, um, there's a big rock in the back. We might be able to catch a glimpse of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyhow, okay. So the Noldor had. We can definitely begin to see the. Uh, what the like structure of the of the Noldor society here from its center which is still not super central right neither Mirabel nor Tom Myrdine are like a huge city like think about how they did Aregian um, in the Rings of Power right how they made it mm -hmm. it was I mean it was way smaller than um, Armenoos in Numenor oh, yeah. but they made it look like a, a big old urban spread on that, you know, in that river valley. Um, yeah, the way they've, a tiny town. Yeah, the way they've done it here in Lotro is um, very different, right? So we've got concentration, but they're still pretty spread out. Tom Myrdine and Mirabel and then Echad Galebran and stuff. It's a, it's, that's the largest concentration of them, but it's not like a big old city. Um, and then from there, you've got the separate little places like this, you know, got some folks living up here, Gwingris. They seem to be focused, a lot of it, on just like scenic locations. You got a nice view from here, right? You yeah, can see down pretty. to Tom Mirabel. You can see over to the, I mean, those, uh, those cliffs over on the angle are gorgeous. Right, even without the Arnorian city on top of it, which would not have been there when this was built. Um, similarly, Gwingris is overlooking the whole like ravine of the Bruinen uh, there. Um, really, really gorgeous up there. And now you've and you've got the, um, you know, and then you're approaching the mountains over there. So, so yeah, so they had these sort of outposts. But we don't have a really urban, a big urban spread here. Um, and they weren't really going for like a lot of sprawl and a lot of concentration of people. They were kind of like, hey, there's a place here. Nobody's here. I'll take this spot. I'll take this other spot over here. And just everybody's just minding their own beeswax. Yeah. And there's, it's like they all still have the memory of the old party spots. 
right, that we were mm -hmm. looking at, especially in Arid Lewin, is where we were first noticing these. Um, Arid Lewin, where um, we were looking at what looked like early Second Age constructions which were not built for defense because the elves thought that evil had departed from Middle-earth. And all of, all of Eregion still has that quality, really. The only place where we've seen defensible walls are Tom Meter Dine. And that seems to me relevant. That seems significant. Um, anyway, all right. We will leave it here this evening. Next week, we will head over into Tom Meter Dine. Um, that will mean, I believe, we'll be officially finished with Swanfleet as we will cross over officially back into Eregion, and then we will finish up, we'll, we will see the new places that weren't there to be seen before, um, like Tom Mirdine, and then we will uh, explore the uh, the places relevant to the narrative that we hadn't got to when we were looking at Eregion. Um and then make our way towards Moria. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks again for joining me, and we will see you mm -hmm. guys again next week. Bye now. Bye.